Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back. Episode 7. Earn Your Leisure Podcast. We back. Earn Your Leisure Podcast. Thank you for your support, your encouraging words. Thank you for riding with us throughout this journey of ours. So, Troy. Yeah, man. We got we to gotta talk about some real issues. A per- yeah, man. A some personal issue for me and for millions of Americans, about 45 million of us to be exact, um, Student loan debt, um, it is a trillion dollar problem in America. I think it is the second, not even I think, I know, um, it is the second highest gross of debt uh, in America only to mortgage debt. And, you know, we spoke about uh, the wealth gap and how important having a mortgage is and having homes are. But um, something is going to be combating that now and in in the future if something doesn't change, and that's student loan debt. Um, So... There are some negative effects that it has long-term and short-term, and we're going to talk about some ways that we, well, not we, in a sense, but uh, the government is proposing to change that. Yeah, so something came out recently, right? It's yeah. a, it's a, some, what, what happened? What happened? Uh, so we had a report uh, that the Senate is thinking of a way to have employers pay for student loan debt. So right now, they do reimburse people who are going to school. So they will reimburse you for tuition, um, and that is pretty standard in, in some in fields of employing. But having the debt paid is something that would be very new. And what they're saying is that uh, employers can match up to $5,000 in uh, student loan debt for their employees. 
It'll be an incentive for people to take jobs uh, and it will help burden that debt that is pretty much crushing people. Like the average person has $36,000. So what does that mean? What exactly is going to happen? So employers, right? Like if I want to get a job, let's say I'm a teacher and I want to get a job at a school. And one of the things I ask the employer or the the school district is, do you guys reimburse for student loan debt tuition? Um, Right now, that isn't in place, but there are proposals that could do that. And if it passes, they can reimburse up to 5000 So they're not going to pay your entire payment because I think the average person, um, this is the study showed that the average person spends more on their student loan debt than they do on their monthly groceries, which is like crazy. Like people have to pay more in debt um, than they are eating, which is like ridiculous. Uh, but they'll pay a percentage of it. So even if you're, you're let's say if your uh, student loan payment is $700, Right, which is kind of median in, in, in this day and age, um, the employer can say, we'll pay $200 of that. And they'll do that as long as you're with the, the company. So will that be deducted from your salary? Um, no, it's not deducted. It's, it's actually the, the employer gets a tax benefit. The, the employer gets a tax benefit right. for paying off your student loan. Absolutely. It's just like when they do tuition reimbursement. Like People don't know that the employers write that off as a tax deduction. Okay. Yeah. So like that's a new proposal that could happen. Uh, we'll see. Um, because if we don't figure something out, right, people's lives are being delayed. So like when people come out of college, and it should be a celebratory time, right? We, we go to school four or five years, we get our bachelor's degree, and in most situations now we have to go further and get our master's degree. It's just, we should be celebrating that. But what they people don't realize is that in six months, government's going to come knocking, right? We need you to start repaying. And the problem is that when people come out of school, and they amass so much debt. Like if they go to a top line school, it could be two hundred thousand dollars that they owe after they finish, you know, with their school. How are they going to repay that? Because you have to come out of school and then find a job that can support you and then also pay back. So what what you see is that a lot of people, a lot of millennials, are living at home longer. They're not having uh, the money to save to buy a house. Uh, you see more people renting, uh, and you see people's credits being damaged. That's one of the parts that a lot of people don't really understand is that when you defer on those student loan payments, right, they put you into a firm for about six to 12 months at best. And then right after that, if you don't pay, it affects your credit. So now let's go further. Like if you don't have the credit score now, when you try to apply for apartment, one of the things they check is your credit. Some jobs, when you apply, they check your credit. When you try to get a home, of course, they're going to check your credit. And a lot of people are being completely hampered by it because they can't afford to pay the the, uh, the debt. And now long term, they won't be able to come out from the effects of not being able to pay it. So it's like a domino effect of things that are happening uh, because of this debt. Okay. All right. So actually, if I don't know if people remember, but if you follow my Instagram, I wrote a, I wrote a report about an interesting story in mm-hmm. regards to student loan forgiveness a few months ago. So yeah. in December, the Department of Education announced it was going to cancel thousands of debts for teachers who had grants turned into loans, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, here's the backstory on it. Teachers that were aspiring teachers were given grants to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. Then the thing was that you had to work in a low-income school district yeah. for four years 
after you were done with college, yeah. right? And then if you worked in a school district for four years after you were done with college, then you didn't have to pay the grant back. It was a grant, yeah. right? The problem is that it was all kinds of red tape involved where you had to certify every single year with the Department of Education mm -hmm. by sending in, I believe, like forms. And if you were like one day late on the form, then your grant turned into a loan. And then you had to get the letter, I think, signed by a principal, but it was during the summertime. So a lot of schools were closed and it was hard to find administrators. And then people moved and then their addresses wasn't updated properly. So that they never actually got the letter in the mail. Yeah. So what ended up happening is that thousands of inner city teachers had their grants turned into high interest loans, not only loans, but high interest loans. Mm -hmm. And overnight, they were crippled with tons of debt that they didn't know about. So they might have took a grant. They might have had a grant for $50,000. Yeah. And they thought that, you know, it was all good. And they find out that now they're in $50,000 of debt. So a good friend of ours, a friend of the show, she'll be on the show soon, hopefully, Valencia Clay. Mm -hmm. So she's a superstar teacher out of Baltimore. Uh, her name is Valencia underscore Valencia on Instagram. Everybody probably follows her. Everybody knows her. So she's the one that actually told me to write this story. Yeah. Because it happened to her personally. Yeah. Right? Where it affected her. Where I think she was trying to buy a home and she didn't know that her credit was affected. And they say, your credit is real low. And she's like, what happened? And then she found out that her grant turned into a loan and she was behind on her loan payments. Right. So that happened to thousands of inner city teachers. Yeah. It's a very unfortunate situation. Absolutely. And now I guess it's something that they're trying to rectify by saying that they're forgiving a lot of loans. Yeah. Because So there there are a few uh, loan forgiveness programs. Like I was a beneficiary of a teacher forgiveness loan. So program. you were an inner city teacher. Yes, for, for eight years. years. Eight I mean, years. Eight years. You taught in the in the Bronx. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yep. So um part of the the loan and people have to like do their research, like because there are a lot of programs that are being offered to to have loan forgiveness, depending on what career you're in. Um, so for me, like you said, it was the teacher loan forgiveness, and some of the stipulations were you had to work in a inner city school, a Title One school, for five years, and based on what you were teaching. Uh, so if it was math or science, you could be granted a certain amount of money, um, or if it was uh, social studies or English, it was a certain amount of money. Um, but I argued like, hey, if I do science, right, well, what's the difference? We're all teaching, right? So the max you could get was seven seventeen thousand five hundred. Um, so I was I was granted that, which was great, and, and it helped a lot. Um, but there's another uh, loan forgiveness program which is called the public service loan, and that goes for anybody who works in public service. So if you're a government agent, if, not a government agent, um, government official, you will, you could qualify for this loan if you're part of a five hundred one three B program or if you're obviously a teacher you still qualify the problem is that there are a lot of stipulations and some red tape like you said so one of the things is you have to pay have 120 consecutive payments you can't miss a payment so that's like 10 years of payments you can't miss and i thought i qualified for that like i had paid my loans on time i applied for this 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 program the public service loan um see the 10 years or 120 payments consecutive and when i realized is that after I got no response from the government, it was like, this is weird. And then a report came out. They said that 1% of the 
of the 45,000 people who applied for the public loan service, on public service forgiveness, were granted it. Yes. 1% One, of applicants. The point, it's like 0.8. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. A government program where 1% of the applicants yeah. were accepted. Yeah, because inside of not, so the 120 uh, consecutive payments is a thing, but what they don't tell you is like it has to be a specific type of payment plan. It can't. It has to be like an income-based one or one that they set where the interest is really high and you have to pay like $700 a month or probably like my, my situation, I didn't leave college with a lot of debt. Um, it's all kind of it's, nonsense. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's, co- it's college. You know, the interesting thing about it is that Google, IBM, uh, Facebook, I believe, a few other companies recently dropped the college requirement. Right. They're just taking kids right out of high school. To be higher. Right. So, do we need college? Um, So, it's tough, right? As an educator, like, I'm going to say yes. That, yeah, at some point, you you will need some form of college or, right, we can't leave them, or you have to learn a skill, right? And they've been taken out of schools, right? They used to have schools where you learn trades and you learn skills and you can carry on that into a profession, which is like kind of what you're saying what Google's doing is like, look, if we have kids who have an interest and they are advanced at, if you know how do, to code, you don't need to. You don't right, need like, to go. We're, to college. We're going to go straight, and we'll teach you on the job. But you have to know how to code, right? And some, a lot of schools are offering that now at high school and at the elementary levels. So if they're not going to go to college, then yeah, there, there are some careers that they can do it, and that's one of the things that we talk about in our summer program. Is hey, everybody's not going to go, and the way that this is looking is from a cost perspective. This may not be a, 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 the best option for you, so. We have to tell them about careers that they can do without a college degree. So some of the things that they can do are law enforcement. They can be a firefighter. I think you need a college degree to be a cop. No, I think or you just got to go to academy. Years. You got to go to academy. Each state is different. Yeah. So New yeah. York State, I think you have to have two-year degree or two Associates. years. Uh, so with something. Four, it's something. Not a four-year degree. Okay. Yeah. So you got firefighters. You have uh, electricians, plumbers. There's plenty H- of- HVAC. There's plenty of careers that you can do without a college degree. Yes, you do need training, and yes, you do need licensing to do those careers. But you're not going to come out of those trainings with a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars in debt. I had a friend of mine the other day. Uh, his son just got accepted to Ohio State for aviation, full ride. And um, just for curiosity, I said, "How much would that have cost you if he didn't get a full ride?" You know the number? How much? Three hundred thousand for four years at Ohio State. 300,000. So imagine the kid who doesn't have the full ride. 300,000 and you're 21 years old. What job is going to pay you the type of money that you can reimburse the government with? Um, no, you're no job. Right. So it's either you're going to pay the student loan or pay your rent at that point. You, and most times they just stay at home. People stay at home longer, like I said. So you got to choose. It's like, is this the best route? Or can we go to schools that are going to cost less? Or like what New York is doing, you can go to school for free depending on your uh, family's income. And one of the stipulations is that you have to work in the state in that field. So if you wanted to be a teacher again in New York State, they have the Excelsior program. That's what it's called. Uh, it's free. State schools. The only thing I think... But each state is different. Each, like Every state doesn't have every like an Excelsior have program. But New York State has adopted it. And that's great. Like If I would have had the Excelsior program, I walk out of school with nothing because I went to school in New York. I've worked in only in New York. For more than four years, my tuition would have been free. So hopefully some states start adopting policies like that 
Um, and if not, man, we're going to have a huge problem on our hands. Like I said, we it's already a, have a huge yeah, problem. Right. It's a $1.5 trillion problem now. That only grows because tuitions only grow. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, and this you, is something that we need to talk yeah, about on the campaign trail and elections coming up. And um, I would urge everybody, really, but especially young people and parents to. Uh, make that something that you know you hold your, your your elected officials accountable for because financial aid and student loans and yeah. these things are very important and it's a growing problem and it's only getting worse because yeah. the cost of education is only going up. Yeah, and, and the more you know, the better. Like I, I, I speak to parents and I speak to you know young teens all the time who have no idea about these things. Like when we when we have these sessions in the summer and the kids are like, "Wait, that's how much it costs?" Like, yeah, that's what you're walking into. So just be prepared to know that and make sure that you do everything possible, whether it's grants or whether it's scholarships, um, so that you don't fall into this this, this type of situation, right? Because 36000 that's the average. That's a lot, man. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, there you have it. Student loans in a nutshell. Okay, so... We talked about student loans. Now we're going to talk about business, the world of business. And business is a contact sport. I always say it's very competitive, right? Mm -hmm. So we haven't really had like a head-to-head competition case study yet. We did look at Rihanna and Kylie Jenner's companies, but those we didn't really compare those two companies. But now we're going to do Battle of the Titans, right? Clash of two big companies, Uber and Lyft. So Uber and Lyft are both coming on the stock market soon. Mm -hmm. They are both what's called IPO. When you IPO, that's when you uh, debut on on the stock exchange. And they're very, they're probably the two biggest talk of the town when it comes to Wall Street this year, right? So Uber and Lyft, we're going to look at them we're going to kind of compare them. And then I have an interesting story. We both have interesting stories about Uber that probably a lot of people aren't fully aware of. So you want to start this off? Yeah. So let's just talk about the, the two differences, uh, the differences between the two companies. So Uber, both are uh, ride-sharing companies. Um, Uber, the much larger one, they're in 58 countries, over uh, 300 cities. Lyft, smaller. They're in the 46 states in the United States and in Canada. Um Uber, again, is larger, so it has more employees, tw- about 20,000, compared to Lyft's 4,500. Um, and the valuation is, is the big difference. The big difference. So you got the valuation for Uber at 72 to $76 billion, and then you have uh, Lyft at about $15 billion. Now, when their IPO goes on uh, the market, they said that you know those numbers are most likely to inflate when we have people investing. Um, so that's just on the service for those two. They differ, again, in their future innovations as well. So we have Uber, obviously, uh, they try to compete with each other. So when one company does something, the other one does the same. So uh, they start out with having cars, but both companies, Uber and Lyft, have dabbled into the bike and scooter service business. Um, I believe Uber bought the company Jump, which is a bike and scooter service, for about $200 million, and uh, Lyft bought uh, Motivate, which is another bike and scooter service for about $250 million. So you can see, like, when one makes a move, the other one is trying to keep up. Um, but then it kind of gets a little 
difficult for Lyft because obviously they don't have the, the same amount of employees. So Uber has a huge deal in 2017. Um, when well, Actually, in 2014, they launched Uber Eats, which is huge, right? It's a delivery service for food, but they get their biggest sponsor in 2017, which is McDonald's. So McDonald's, obviously, world-renowned, probably the largest franchise in the world. I think so. Yeah, probably, right? So they're the largest franchise in the world. Uber Eats signs up with them. Uh, so Lyft says, you know what? Let's, let's try to get our own sponsor. And, and they signed Taco Bell. Taco Bell. So <laughs> uh, I've never eaten Taco Bell. Have you? I used to eat Taco yeah. Bell when I was in Hawaii. Yeah. So they, they get Taco Bell and they decide to have a campaign with it. So one of the things is like they call this thing Taco Mode. I'm not sure if anybody's ever used it, but Taco Mode was only available in Lyft from the hours of 9 p.m. to 2 a.m., which is like, I think that's when college students are hungriest, right? So, like, you, you call your Lyft and you push Taco Mode and it takes you, the Lyft takes you to the nearest Taco Bell. It is a complete failure. Um, they tried it out. It was a complete failure. They dropped it and they haven't got another sponsor as far as from the, the food. Another thing about their future is that they have some some things that uh, Uber doesn't, and Uber has dealt with a lot of scandal lately. Uh, so they've been in the news for having the self driving cars that have failed. They had a lawsuit. They had a lawsuit so, for the car. Right, so we'll talk about that. So the lawsuit. So Uber, Waymo. You ever heard of Waymo before? No. I'm pretty sure nobody has ever heard of Waymo. So we have to give you the backstory on this. Google, I'm pretty sure everybody has heard of Google, right? Google and Uber have a very complicated relationship. Google was kind of Uber's big brother. It was like a big brother, little brother relationship, right? In 2013, Google invests $258 million into Uber, which gives them about 6% of the company. And the CEOs really like each other. They kick it off. In 2014, the CEO of Google takes a ride with the CEO of Uber and Uber's new, they're trying to figure out how to make self-driving cars, right? The relationship sours the next year when Uber finds out that Google is putting money into self-driving car technologies. Mm. By developing a company named Waymo. Waymo is is Google's self-driving car technology company. They have a whole company devoted for self-driving cars. Okay, so it's like a pick-your-brain meeting. Yeah. So Uber feels a way about this. So what Uber does is that they recruit Google's, one of their top engineers at Waymo, mm-hmm. to come to work at Uber. Right. And right after he comes, they purchase a self-driving car company. Forget the name of it, but it makes them five hundred million dollars in revenue. Mm. Google sues Uber because they said that the engineer stole twelve thousand files. From Waymo to give the Uber. All right. So now they have a lawsuit where they're going back and forth between 
if it was inside information that was stolen and it's illegal to do that. Uber said that they didn't do that. So long story short, they settled the lawsuit, I believe, a few weeks ago. And they settled the lawsuit for 0.34% of the company. Uber settled it with Google and they gave Waymo what we call 34 basis points. 34 basis points is 034 34% of 1% of the company, of Uber. Doesn't really sound like a lot, yeah. but that's roughly equal to $244 million. So they settled out of, they settled it for $244 million, but they're still not admitting that they did anything wrong. So now you have Uber, who is at odds with somebody that once was a major investor, was still invested in them. And it's a race for self-driving cars. Right? It's a whole yeah. different conversation. But the self-driving car I don't know if I trust thing, it. well, I'd rather trust a self-driving car than a, a regular driver. Right? If you think about it, computers are probably more efficient than people. Like, look how many accidents there are on the in road. In certain aspects of life. I'm not in sure mostly driving, everything. I'm not sure driving a car. Okay. If you had a, if you had a, a computer, like IBM Watson, yeah. do you think that... You would trust them to do a calculation, or would you trust? I would trust that. The like, and that I would. Like that, I would. It's the same thing. With I trust driving. myself more than the computer it's driving the a car. Well, the computers don't have distractions. They're not texting. They're not looking at what's going on in the road. They're not rubbernecking. Some people say it's actually a lot more safer to have carless, driverless cars. I'm, I'm just yeah. I couldn't do it. I just personally couldn't do it. Well, it's happening. Yeah, I know it's happening. And it's a race. It's a race to, to who, who can, can do it first. Yes, it's a race yeah. to who can do it first. Elon Musk is involved with right. Tesla. Yeah. Uber is involved. But they've also, like, so Tesla has, itself has had, again, so not scandal, but they've had some controversy with some of their cars malfunctioning, some of their self-driving cars. Of course. But how many cars malfunction regularly? Yeah, I mean, people getting accidents. I mean, there's always going to be one car. It's not like it's never going to be 100 percent perfect, right? You know, people get in accidents every day. Exactly, which is true. Exactly. Um, and like you said, like there's going to be less distractions. Obviously, there won't be if they're self-driving. There's not going to be any alcohol-related accidents, or like you said. But I don't know. I just feel like the trust in myself over a computer. It, it, it would. I'd have to learn how to do that. Well, we'll see. Yeah. But it's interesting because now. Waymo is at a disadvantage because they're behind in the technology because now Uber, people don't even, people don't know that Uber invests so much money and, and they're already planning their next phase. There's one thing I do like about Uber. They're, they, they are constantly reinventing themselves, right? Yeah. So they're a ride sharing company now, but they know that that space is crowded and there's a lot of competition and then there's problems, political problems, stuff like that. Yeah. So now they're already trying to reinvent themselves. Uber Eats. Yeah, they got the food, the food delivery the food drones. Food delivery. Now they have they have drones. Yeah, the food yes. delivery drones. And yeah. and then they're investing in flying. So like they're thinking already, like down the line, like we're gonna have taxis that fly. Flying taxis. Yes. <laughs> flying great. taxis. It's like the Jetsons. No, it's yes, flying taxis and these this, this that's what I'm saying. It's so crazy because Waymo, nobody's heard of Waymo before. Google has a billion-dollar company that nobody's heard of that is currently working on ways to change the way that we travel. Yeah. That's pretty That's pretty crazy. Man. It's interesting. Yeah. So, 
a part of the, and you said it like politically, like things are changing too. And what's happening here in New York with Lyft and Uber is that they have changed the way that New York City travel looks, right? We used to, it used to be yellow cabs that flooded the city and now it's Uber and Lyft. And the uh, taxi and limousine commission said, wait, they're taking away our business, right? We have one fourth of the inventory that they have, right? People take their uh, everyday cars and turn them into taxi services. So what they said was like, we're going to file a report and we're going to get to the bottom of this because we're losing drivers at an alarming rate. And what they did, what they found out was that the average Uber and Lyft drivers, they were making like $14 an hour, which in New York City is not the minimum wage. The minimum wage is fifteen. $15. $15 an hour. So when they found that out, they were like, Uber said, hey, we don't have to abide by the minimum wage because... These aren't employees. We don't have employees. We have independent contractors. 1099 independent contractors. Right. So when they have an independent contractor, they don't have to abide by workplace laws. Like They don't have to abide by minimum wage and they don't have to buy overtime and safe and healthy laws. Like you're an independent contractor. Right. So that that changes the way that they look at the people who are working for them. Um, so from that. New York City, obviously, they won the case. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio was part of that. Now, the minimum wage, it has to be $15 for Uber and Lyft drivers. But on top of it, and to combat the overflux of these cars, like they're trying to charge like tolls now to go into lower Manhattan. They're saying, look, we're doing a pause. So for 12 months, to start, I think, in the summer this year, in 2018, for 12 months, they're not allowed to have any new licensed vehicles Um patrolling the streets of New York City. So like in Manhattan, that might sound good, but if you live in the outer boroughs, like you might rely on those those services and you can't have any more right now. Yes. Yes. Well, it's like I always say, you can't stop energy. I don't think that that's a fight that the city is going to win because Uber, it, they're groundbreaking. They're not, they're not going to, anywhere. It's groundbreaking. Yeah. It's a groundbreaking idea and it's disruptive. It's disruptive Absolutely. and it's changed changed everything. So I think that their biggest competition will come from other companies like Lyft and other new companies that spawn up, which is, I'm pretty sure they, they are aware of that and which is why they are constantly reinventing themselves and adding new facets to their company. Yeah. Neither Lyft or, or Google, it, neither Lyft or Uber is profitable, Not yet. by the way. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how, you know, when they IPO, I think that, you know, obviously Lyft is at a disadvantage. They're a smaller company. They have less, like you said, drivers. They have less revenue. They have less everything. They're not global yet. They're they're newer. But at one point, you know, MySpace was bigger than Facebook. True. At one point, Blockbuster was bigger than Netflix. Yeah, never never discount the underdog. So you can't. Never count them out. Just because somebody's number one right now does not mean that they're going to be number one forever. So... It'll, you know, be entertaining to watch, to see how this unplay, how this unfolds, whether, you know, they get brought by a company, whether they take each other over, whether they, they both succeed. Who knows? Yeah. But everybody. There might be a third party that comes in. Who knows? It might be a whole completely different new company that yeah. comes in. So, all right. Well, we will follow it. We will look to see uh, what happens. And when it IPOs, we definitely will have a follow up on, on both of them. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now story time. Here's a little story that must be told. 
listen up, gangsters and honeys with your hair done. Best storyteller, thug narrator, my style's greater. Okay, so, boys and girls, <laughs> today's story, this episode's story, will be on Airbnb. Airbnb. Airbnb, man. Amazing story. Phenomenal story. Yeah. Phenomenal story. So, I'll start it off. In 2007, right, Joe Gab, Gabby, Gabia. Gabia. Yeah. and Brian Chesky. Chesky, they were both 27 at the time, Yeah. right, and they lived in San Francisco. If anybody's not familiar, San Francisco, I believe, is the most expensive place to live in America, highest real estate. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. Outside of Manhattan Island. No, I think it's more expensive more than, than that. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. So... They were struggling to pay rent, right? You know, 27-year-olds, fresh out of college, you know, struggling. So they, they, they live together. They have like a two-bedroom apartment, I assume. And it was a big conference coming up in the city, a design conference. Yeah. Right? So they, they both come from the Rhode Island School of Design. So there was a design conference coming, and they were planning on attending. Yeah. So all the hotels in the city were booked. Because if anybody's familiar with San Francisco, San Francisco is a very small city. That's why the real estate is so expensive in San Francisco because it's very small. Obviously, you have Silicon Valley nearby in the tech industry. So it's a, it's a couple of different things that makes San Francisco so expensive. It's very small and you're surrounded by the tech industry, which billionaires all around. So land is, is very scarce. So all the hotels in the city were booked, right? So they have the bright idea to rent out their living room for yeah. people that are looking for hotels. They know people are coming into the city and they're, they're not going to have anywhere to stay. Yeah, I think Joe sends an email to Brian like, hey, I have this idea. And he shows it at a lot of his press conferences. I have this idea. Yeah. You know what? There's no more city. There's no more hotels in the city. There's no more rooms. We got something. So they want to put three air beds in their living room on the floor and they are going to cook their guest breakfast. All right. So we're going to rent the space. We have some space in the living room, three air mattresses. Um, not only we're we gonna let people rent that, but we, like you said, we're gonna make bread, breakfast for them. So the next day they launch a website. The website is called airbedandbreakfast.com because they give you an airbed <laughs> yeah, and breakfast because they're gonna make you breakfast. Yeah. Airbedandbreakfast.com. Keep it simple. Hence the name Airbnb. But at first it was called airbedandbreakfast.com, right? So. From there, they a few weeks later they actually get three people to come. Yeah, and I think they charge them eighty dollars a night. Eighty dollars a person. Eighty dollars per person per mm-hmm. night. Yeah, right. And it worked out for them. Mm-hmm. And then next year is when they really take off because now they have an idea, they have a business model, they have a website. But before they get to the next year, like they're broke. Oh, they're dead broke. They're broke. So, like, that conference came and it left. Yeah, it was $80. And they still couldn't pay the rent. So, what they did is they took out as many credit cards as they could. And he tells a story where he has, when well, he remember he used to have trading cards and you slid them in. He had a trading card book, but it was just credit cards. And I think they accumulated, like, $15,000 in credit card debt each just to pay. They couldn't take out any more cash advances on their credit card. Cash advances. Yeah. Powerful tool, very dangerous tool. <laughs> We have some stories on this. Yes. Yeah. That's a different story. Yeah. Okay. So next year, 2008, there's a senator that is the talk of politics. His name is Barack Obama, right? Mm-hmm. So it is, he's running for president. 
the first time, obviously. And there's the Democratic National Convention, which is held in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. So they gear up for the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, they got another idea. They get, so they're saying, okay, this is a perfect, I think 80,000 people were going to come into Denver and there's not going to be enough hotels, very similar to what they did in San Francisco. But yeah. now they want to scale it. Yeah. So they want to recruit other people to rent their apartments, re yeah. rent their homes, and then they get a portion of that and they'll broker it for them. And Yeah, the idea was like, we're going to find Obama supporters in Denver to open up their homes for other Obama supporters. I think it had 800 listings. They were able to find Yeah, 800, they found some people. 800 homes. And it was great. They made some money. They made a, they made a little bit of money. Yeah, some money. Yeah, not, not enough. No, not enough. Yeah. So they, they still, even after the convention, they're still broke. No, no. Before the convention is over. Before the convention is over, leading up to it, they have 800 homes and apartments that they were able to get people to rent, but they still didn't really make any money. Yeah. Right? I don't know why. I guess it just wasn't profitable for whatever reasons. So now they go to the convention and they have the bright idea as a marketing tool. And they didn't really do this to make money. They did this as a marketing tool to make cereal. Limited boxes of cereal. They have yeah. the Obama O's and the Captain McCain cereal. Yeah, so the the it ties into what they do, right? We're going to give you the the room and how are we going to make breakfast now for you? Because the original thing was like, you get the room and we'll provide breakfast. Yeah, but this was, this was more of a PR stunt. Yeah, no, but so he says it in, in, in some of his uh, speeches. He's like, look, we had to figure out how we're going to scale breakfast. So are we going to put eggs and ship it to people? No, we're going to make cereal. So what they did, like I think... Uh, Joe Geb Gabia does is he goes to like the cheapest places he can find cereal. So he goes to like dollar stores and buy cereal and they press up these pictures. Like they go to an architect like, hey, we need you to draw this picture. So they have Obama and they have McCain on the cereal box and they make it limited edition. Limited edition. Yeah. And each box has like the number. So if you bought one, you know that you have four out of. Five hundred, because I think they only did a thousand boxes. Was, I think it was eight hundred. No, thousand boxes. Each each candidate got five hundred boxes, so they put like uh, like four out of two hundred or five out of two hundred. So everybody had a limited number on their box. Okay. The brilliant thing is that we know boxes of cereal cost like what four dollars at the most. Sometimes a little bit more if it's super size. They charge forty dollars for the box, and they made thirty thousand dollars. So they made thirty thousand dollars off cereal. And that was enough to propel them next year going yeah. forward yeah. where they finally got the business off the ground and off and running. And then they were able to get a substantial amount of money from an angel investor. Mm -hmm. Some seed money. Some seed money. Mm -hmm. Then in 2011, they get even more money from Ashton Kushner. Yeah. Legend. <laughs> People don't. He's made some brilliant moves. People don't even remember him. Punk, what was it? Punk? Was that the show? Punked. I think that's what it... Oh, no, that, the 70s show first. The 70s punked. show, Punked. He had this movie called The Butterfly Effect. I was just... Yeah, that was, that was a decent movie. And then he married... Um, Demi Moore. Right. He was married to Demi Moore. And now he's married to Mila Kunis. Okay. Yeah. Ashton Kushner. Not to get off topic here, but the guy is a genius. Right? Makes some really good movies. He's yeah. angel investor. He's a Hollywood A-list celebrity who, at the peak of his career, decides to switch his focus and become an investor in tech companies. Mm -hmm. Some of the companies that he invests in early, Spotify, Airbnb, Uber, 
Twitter. And now Ripple. Yes, cryptocurrency Ripple. So Ashton Kusher comes in in 2011, gives them money. And then they skyrocket. Skyrocket. Right. It gives them money to hire more staffing. They go more from staffing. the United States to now Europe offices, become global. Global. Their current valuation is $38 billion. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think so. They're both um, founders. There's three, three founders. Um, they're each worth $4 billion. Yes. $4 billion. They're under 40 years old. Yep. $38 billion valuation. The reason why I like this story is because it highlights you got if you are an entrepreneur, you have to do whatever you have to do. You have to hustle at all costs, mm -hmm. right? So they start with an idea to put air mattresses yeah. in their living room and, and no, to make people breakfast. Yeah, nobody believed in them. Like they they took this to Silicon Valley, had 20 investors. No, it's laughable. If you if you take no, if you think about it, right? You're putting three air mattresses in your living room. And you're going to make people breakfast, and you're going to name the company Air Bed and Breakfast. Yeah, they said they laughed at it. they that that's not a joke. They laughed at them, and they said this is never going to work. They had 20 investors. Ten of them didn't respond to their emails. Five of them met with them, and the other five sat down and had a 10 minute conversation. All of them said no. None of them believed in it. And then, all right, nobody believed in it. And then. When all else fails, they realize that they have to go to plan B and they sell cereal. Yeah. And that's what gets them the money from the seed investors. They're like, if you can sell cereal to people at $40 a box, you must be on to something. If one hustle isn't working, you got to <laughs> switch it. <laughs> right. They, he said that his mom would call him like, wait, I thought you guys were uh, a chain of like hotel services. Like you're selling cereal now? You're a food company now? It's like whatever we have to do whatever, to get this money. Whatever, by any means necessary. Yeah. But it, it, it didn't, like I said, it didn't work at first, and they had to go to the drawing board. And one of the things they said, um, they, they met an investor, and he was like, go meet your people. And what that really meant was like, why isn't it working? And they found out that when they went to some of the places that they were listing, they didn't realize that the people weren't taking great pictures. It wasn't displaying the homes like they should. So they said they went to New York, and they went to uh, Manhattan and Brooklyn, and they went to each listing and said, look. Here's the camera I want you to use when you take these pictures. And from that moment, and it's important too because this, you know, when we say, all right, we give you guys these case studies. So when you go to like business school, Harvard, Yale, whatever top business school warden, they go through case studies, right? And it's it's entertaining stories, but it's more so it's education, right? We're not just giving you these case studies just to entertain you. Hopefully, you can learn something from it and implement it in your business, whether you sell T-shirts, whether you're a barber, whatever. You can learn from other people's success stories and figure out a way how you can copy what they have done, mm -hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with and that. We about that one. Duplicate what they have done or yeah. inspire you or gain some type of insight. So I just want to leave that because, you know, we give a lot of these stories and they are entertaining, but it's not just a bedtime story. Like yeah. It's for actual action, like to take action, to, to leave some inspiration. So hopefully... That story, to me, at the very least, is a very yeah. inspirational story for a few different reasons. But I just feel that stories like that really, you know, give you the push to keep going because it's not going to be easy in yeah. any type of business that yeah. you do. 2007, nobody believes in them. 2016, they become the official sponsor of the Summer Olympics. 
like this brand that nobody believed in. So yeah. like that that's to tell you like just be persistent from believe, thirty believing yourself from broke to thirty thousand in cereals to thirty eight billion valuation in ten years. Right, and anybody can do that. Yes. Yeah, anybody can be a host. So it's like if you have space, like it's like oh, Uber's yeah, story. Anybody can like do it's, it. it's 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 disruptive idea. They disrupted the hotel industry, which was the same for a hundred years. So if you want to find the next big thing. See what hasn't been changed in the last hundred years and find a way to disrupt that. And look across. Look across. Like the people around you might be able to help you. Yep. Right? That's like another he, that's he, another good lesson. He he reached out to his friend who was from the same design school. He reached out to another friend that was a web developer. That's how they got the site up. And then the the, the person who gives them the seed money actually came from came from the Rhode Island School of Design. He was like, Wait, let me at least have a meeting with these guys since they came from our school. And that's how it starts, man. Reach across, man. Reach across. Okay. Well, before we leave, we have some exciting news. Yeah. So we are, again, on YouTube, as we announced on the last episode. But uh, now we have our merch up on earnyourleisure.com. Um, so we have some, some, some cool ideas that are up there. So, you know, feel free to support. Um, we also have our Patreon app, which is... Um, going to be providing some exclusive and behind the scenes content and also some other features that we thought that would help people um, by request. Pretty much people have been asking some things and yep. we, we, felt, we felt like Patreon would be a, a good avenue to address some of those topics. Patreon is something that we're definitely excited about, something that we've been working on. So, you know, we give a lot of free game for a long time. My Instagram page, two years, right? <laughs> we, do the, we do the podcast. So, a lot of times people have even more questions or they want like kind of like yeah. personal mentorship Can or I pick business brain? coaching or pick my brain or, or just even stuff with the podcast. We talk probably about an hour after the podcast is over with we just go into to in-depth stuff. So you guys will be able to see it when you go on there. But that's all the extra bonus features and all of that stuff uh, will be laid out in our Patreon. All of the links will be on our website. And uh, yeah, YouTube. The merch, the merch is dope too. I'm not just saying that because I'm involved with it. It's actually very creative, and you know what? It, it gives a good message for financial literacy, and it gives good, you know, inspirational quotes and things of that nature. Yeah. So, I think that that, especially in our culture, like that's one of the things we notice is that people will look at what you're wearing first. So if they're gonna look, we might as well have a message and say something. Yeah. Exactly. So you know that's what we're doing. We're just pushing positivity. Thank you guys for supporting us. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Don't forget to. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and also turn on our notifications. Also for Instagram as well. Uh, also for iTunes. Yeah. Subscribe. I know you guys are listening to iTunes. Subscribe. We're not just on iTunes. That's another thing too, people. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Podbean. We're on Anchor. We're on a bunch everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we, you list it all, all the time. So. so, all right, guys. We will see you next week. Peace. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. 
That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive. And that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.